When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. Hey there, believers. I've got a great show for you today. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about this this coffee that I found across Instagram. It's called Mr. Sasquatch Coffee. Uh, immediately, the name got to me, you know, so I reached out to them and I said, hey, I'd, I'd love to sample your coffee. And they were generous enough to send me a bag of the Cowboy Blend. Immediately fell in love with it. My wife fell in love with it. Uh, we drink coffee from the time we wake up at around 6 a.m. to the time we go to bed around 1 a.m. Uh, and all day in between. Fantastic coffee. I wouldn't lie to you. Please go check out Mr. Sasquatch Coffee. Um, they gave me a promo code so you guys can try it for a discount. It's The Bump. So just put in promo code The Bump, save like 10%, and try out this coffee. I promise you, you won't regret it. I also read a couple of books in the last week. Um, one's called Outside the Box. It's by Rob Larson. It's not available for purchase yet, but Rob was on my show for the uh, Missing 411 Dino Theory. And he wrote a book to go in-depth about um, his take on what, what's going on around these national parks. And uh, it's, it's a great theory. Uh, I really like how he tries to lay everything out for you. Um, he even brings up maps, you know, that you can Google and check out. So outside the box, look for that one to come out. And the other, uh, just became available last week on Amazon Kindle, which I usually don't read eBooks, but I couldn't resist. It's called Bigfoot Horror Stories. It's by Stephen Armstrong. And there's several book or several stories in there that he's compiled, um, into this book and the way he writes it just kind of pulls you right in to these encounters and as far as i know these are these are true life real encounters they all sound very believable to me um really good really well written um i i suggest you you go check that out it's it's super affordable it's on amazon kindle like i said i think i think it's like 99 cents unless the price went up but it It's definitely worth the read. It's Bigfoot Horror Stories by Stephen Armstrong. Big shout out to Chris. Thank you for signing up to Patreon. I really appreciate it, and I hope you like all the bonus content on there. All right, this week's episode is with Paul. Um, 
I'm not going to give his exact location. I think he'll do that a little bit later. But he has been, I guess you would say, stalked by UFOs, UAPs, whatever you want to call them, um, pretty much all his life. And things have really exploded in the last few years. Um, He goes over possible abduction experiences that he's had. And then he goes into these, you know, these UFO sightings. He has a very successful YouTube channel called May777Able. I want you guys to go check out his videos. He's given me full unfettered access to his photos and videos. And I've, I made a compilation that will be on the Patreon if you want to go look at that. Um, there's also going to be some stuff, uh, a clip on YouTube when this when this releases. So check him out. Um, guys, it's... It's hard to discredit this man. He's got the videos. And I'm talking hundreds of sightings. And as it gets later on, you know, the more recent episodes that he posts videos of or whatever, you start seeing the black helicopter. You know, that the unmarked chopper that seems to be flying around his home or around where he works. Um, just pretty much anywhere he goes. So who knows what's going on. But um, I want you all to to listen to him, hear him out, and again, check out his videos on YouTube, um, and join Patreon, because I I put a lot of stuff together for you. All right, here we go. I uh, reside right now in the township of Oshawa, Ontario, Uh, though I commute to Scarborough, Ontario. Um, Scarborough is where the place I've been raised. from most of my life up to 97, I've been there. And of course, at that time, still working in Scarborough, but um, I moved out to Oshawa in 97 and go to work in Scarborough. So my commute is 45 kilometers each way. Um, As uh, for my background, uh, I have uh, extended my education in forestry. two years college. So I have a a great understanding of biology and mathematics and uh, really how uh, the level of organization of matter is. So um, unfortunately, I didn't get into my line of work uh, due to the way it is economically here. So I've had various jobs uh, throughout my life, but the one and last job I've had is the one I stay with today Uh, for over 32 years. I'm a quality control receiver. Uh, uh, Things go through my hands of uh, electrical installation and materials for the aerospace industry. And uh, of course, like any man or any woman, we we need to uh, have a career or to have a livelihood. And this is what I've been doing. And uh, just uh, more so uh, since 2003, uh, to today, uh, I can uh, clarify and verify, even through photographic evidence, uh, I've had a presence around me uh, wherever I go. And mostly, you'll find this uh, above my roof uh, where I live in Oshawa, uh, or when I walk the dog in the park, uh, and also uh, above my roof at my work in Scarborough. And uh, more so in Scarborough, I've had more witnesses 
uh, actually I've counted uh, over 15 coworkers I pointed them out to in the day and probably be a couple of dozen at least uh, because there's been so many, I, I don't keep a count, but I've pointed them to the drivers that come to our place. And so, you know, with all this going on, one has to reflect back of, you know, why is uh, Paul able to start witnessing all this? Like what's going on? So I think what to do is to sort of walk you through quickly of really how all this started for me. And so uh, living in Scarborough as a young lad, we uh, had moved into our house uh, in 1963 uh, with my parents. Uh, uh, I am an only child, uh, but regardless, uh, I came back from Cub Camp uh, back in August uh, 13th, 1967. And it was a Sunday, it was a hot afternoon, typical for summer here, and clear sky. And I was uh, out front there of my uh, house. And, uh, you know, all my friends were nowhere to be found because of the timing when I arrived. But the neighbor, Mr. Cahill said to me, I heard we're gonna hear a satellite uh, go across the sky today over the city. I didn't pay much attention, you know, uh, so what? I'm just a eight-year-old child. What do I know about this? And after about 10, 15 minutes, he come out the door, half in the door, half out the door, and he's pointing up to the sky to the northwest. And he said, there it is. And I looked up and I saw it. And what I saw, Bo, was uh, uh, best to describe it about 10, 20,000 feet, uh, approximately that you would see a jet airliner fly high. I witnessed a, a long torpedo silver-shaped object. And it was crossing on a, a direct flight path like a jet would, but this had no wings. But what it did have in the midsection were two silver spheres, uh, smaller than, of course, the uh, torpedo-shaped object itself. And they were rotating around the midsection. Now, there was either one or two. It was hard to see or justify, but there could have been two of them. And they were rotating around them. And I watched it go across the sky, heading towards the northeast on a straight flight path. And I just thought in my mind, huh, well, I've just seen uh, a satellite. I'm eight years old. I didn't go on more about it, talk to my parents and say, hey, guess what I saw? I thought this was a normalized thing uh, because I'm growing up here. To fast forward, uh, in no. 1977, I was working at a grocery store at Car Pickup. It was at uh, Dominion Stores Limited at Nielsen and Ellesmere. And on that date, on Thursday, August 4th, 1977, I had witnessed uh, a UFO. But how did I get to see it? Is that when I was working the car pickup, a gentleman was parked in the parking lot and he asked me, what's that over there pointing to the east? I said, well, I said, uh, it's a plane. I ignored him and I finished the, the car, the vehicle. And uh, the next car pulled in and he, and then again bothered me. And he said, but it's not moving. And I didn't really look. And I said to him, it's probably a helicopter. And I, you know, I'm working here outside. 
So I loaded up the groceries into the second car, closed the trunk and off the car went. I'm putting all the uh, baskets together. And again, as he's in his car, but he says, look at the lights on it. And so now I had clear attention to look and approximately about say a mile away or less, but close to a mile, directly 90 degrees to the east, above the treetops at the northwestern or the northeastern corner of Morningside and Ellesmere, I could see almost like uh, a rotation of colored lights going in a circular motion, almost like you could say maybe a Ferris wheel. But I, I thought, hey, that's really strange. And I saw these multiple lights. So I don't know why, but I put my head down and I hoofed it across the field for uh, near a couple of hundred yards in the middle of the night, of course, it's dusk, it's dark now. And I stopped to look, you know, which I had thought 200 uh, yards short of a mile to look at it and it wasn't there anymore. And so I looked facing the east and looked up to the sky and I looked directly above me and I turned my shoulder and I'm assuming in the neighborhood of somewhere near 50 feet away from me, from behind me, to about 150, no more than 200 feet. It could even be 100 feet, but you know, it's hard to say because of how traumatic it was, but it was close. I turned and see uh, this pear-shaped object, uh, capsule-shaped, um, and it looked like a single molded craft. It uh, back end of, that was larger facing me had a larger orange uh, light that stayed on and around the perimeter of that orangey light were four colors, blue, green, yellow, red, doing a clockwise motion around the orange light. And, I, and I'm looking at it and right away, I think in my mind, time travelers. Now, 1977, I'm 18 years old and the thing wasn't making a sound and it appeared to be 30, 40 feet long and it made no noise it had no markings nor portholes and this thing is above me for near about 10 minutes and i started feeling uh the words in my mind of neanderthal i started thinking about bone density and then i got to a point where who are you and i yelled and pointed to the ground and say land land and it just sat there it did not move and the, the colored lights were still going around. The orangey light, larger light was staying on. And I thought in my mind, after about 20 minutes, as I'm out there alone, I thought I better go get a witness. So I ran across the field and I got to the edge of the parking lot. Three things I noticed. The fella in the car was gone. The object was now making a high pitched beeping sound. And the high pitched beeping sound I thought, uh, you know, that now there is a noise associated. And the third thing was it was moving very slow of one to two miles per hour. I ran into the store to get Ian. He was unloading a 45 footer in grocery. And I was quickly explained to what I was witnessing. And he said, uh, oh, it's probably a blimp and I got to get this job done. So he had no time to come out to the front of the store and out to the side to the field. So I ran through the store frantically and got out to the parking lot and yelled for Chuck. Chuck was collecting the uh, grocery buggies and he come running over, he goes, what? And I said, you're not gonna believe this. And 
we stepped into the field again because now the, the building would block uh, seeing it, it was so low. And we could see the object lights only, not the structure, but the lights. And we could hear the high pitched beeping sound. And we watched it for about a minute or two until it was out of sight because now it was half a mile away from us. And I went back to work uh, and he went back to work and I'm just like, you know, my mind is racing. What was it I just saw? Time travelers? Like, should I call the local uh, radio news story of the month and, and tell them what I'd seen? And I thought they're probably not going to believe me. So uh, after 10 minutes, uh, there was a strange sound in the sky, almost like a, a, a swishing sound, like like that. And he said, did you hear that? And I said, you heard that? And we were together and we're looking at the sky and we're facing to the east. We noticed like a, a trail, like an aircraft low, but to the east, some miles away, uh, which would be into the next township of Pickering, we could see uh, directly again, uh, 90 degrees straight up in the sky, though much, much higher, farther away, of course, like miles, like it could have been seven, 10 miles. We were not like sure, but a pulsating red light, then a white, then a red. So it was pulsating red to white. And then after a minute or two, it went out and reappeared simultaneously to the south, almost in the blink of an eye. If it was the same object, I'm not sure. But again, the, the object had appeared, uh, looked like maybe over the little, uh, waterfront of our uh, lake here of Lake Ontario. It did the same thing for a minute or two and it was out. And I thought, you know, what is it? And of course, uh, I told my friend, I said, they must be time travelers. So uh, I go home, I tell my parents, uh, they don't know what to make of it. I tell my friends uh, during the, the next day or two, I looked the TV, newspapers, couldn't see anything about it. I thought, you know, what is this? So uh, getting some uh, agitation from my friends, uh, you know, teasing or ridiculing me about it when we're together as a group and we see a plane turning, he goes, look, there's a UFO. And, and so I had decided myself, I went down to Toronto Library and I got on some microfiche and I found an old article from the Toronto Star newspaper in the 60s and it said unknown aerial anomalies in Canada. So I was reading the story in the microfiche of this uh, archive paper, news article, and uh, I found that uh, a section said the Canadian government will not disclose any information regarding UFOs and that new word extraterrestrials to the year 2000. So I thought, oh, well, this is what this is all about. Uh, you know, I believe there was uh, life uh, outside our planet with the stars there are, there'd be planets between the stars. I, I kind of knew this when I was 12 years old. Uh, I didn't need no Hubble telescope to figure this one out, but I pursued on uh, to higher education in forestry and went to Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And I established myself there for two years to uh, get my, my diploma. And just to fast forward from there, uh, I you know, wouldn't have talked to anybody in regards to the close encounter because, you know, Back in the uh, 70s, people couldn't relate to it as they would today. If I said to you, hey, I saw a UFO today, then uh, today's social uh, outlook would be, well, what did it look like? Not the giggle factor, not the teasing or ridicule. So we've, we've kind of matured 
with our sense of subject due to probably, uh, you know, uh, TV and movies, uh, documentaries that have uh, been surfacing in the last few years. So uh, I just left it and then stranger things were happening uh, beyond that. Uh, when I had finished my, uh, my college and came back and I had done a bit of traveling, uh, you know, I, I was at the stage and age, I didn't think about UFOs. Uh, of course, if there was something on TV regarding them, I did have a keen interest that way. But, you know, I, I just, you know, you go on with your life, you're a young man. And uh, then some strange things started happening uh, around 86, 87. And by that, uh, with my girlfriend, which of course today is my wife, when we moved into an apartment seven stories up, uh, this was jokingly would be the penthouse, um, we lived uh, in the building facing uh, northwest. And the next thing that had happened was I was sitting outside having a cigarette. It was hot, it was August, again August, and it was one o'clock in the morning. And I'm just leaning on the uh, railing of our balcony alone, having the cigarette. And right in front of me, about 20, 30 feet, directly in front of me, being seven stories high, there was a popping sound with some orange ambers dispersing, just like ambers you would see from a fire. And it, you, you kind of like, well, what was that? You didn't see anything come across. You didn't see anything leave or anything. It was just right in front of you, this popping sound with orange ambers. So, you know, you, you look at something, well, that's a little kooky and you, you store it in your memory and you move on. Well, uh, following into the fall, uh, my wife and I were there uh, going to bed. And again, uh, this was in the fall, it was around one o'clock and uh, she's in the bathroom and I'm, I'm uh, getting soon to go to fall asleep. And she came into the, uh, into the room and settled down. We're both laying down, we're both awake. And then it sounded like our apartment door opened and we could hear footsteps coming down the long parkade wooden floor until the footsteps got to in front of our doorway of our bedroom. And we both sat up in the bed looking to see who's there. Now, you know, it's dark in the room. You can't really uh, see because there's no lights. You just have maybe some light coming from the window and I grabbed something from the night table and I thought there's an intruder here. And I walked through out the door, checked the second bedroom, walked along the hall, checked the door of the apartment. It was locked, the chain was there. There was nobody there. So this was deemed, uh, you know, something again, strange, but now on the ground, uh, dealing with sound like as we would probably classify in the paranormal, uh, a ghost symptom. So I thought, okay, uh, it is what it is. Fast forwarding, uh, in that year, the next summer, my wife went to her parents' cottage or trailer. And so I was alone for a week. And when I woke up a Saturday morning in the summer, I don't have the date, but again, this is just things you reflect to trying to get heads and tails now. But when I had woken up Saturday, I had a, a sunburn on the top right of my forehead right here. 
the best way to describe it is like a, a beet red rash, like a sunburn. And I thought, where the heck did I get that from? Like, was I allergic to something? And, and so, you know, uh, query about it. I, I was just trying to figure, you know, where did this, this agitation come from? Checking the polo, nothing. Uh, and remarkably enough, uh, following Sunday, it was gone. Like it was never there. So moving on, uh, being in the apartment, um, it was probably uh, again in the fall, probably September, I was out in the balcony having a cigarette and I don't know, just something urged, irked me to look up like directly straight up above the building. And when I looked up, I saw a black, what looked like a, a triangle shaped object, very high in the sky, moving across at an incredible rate. And in my mind, like, you know, I thought, oh, must've been maybe a loose kite snapped, you know, but again, it's something tangible uh, in this, uh, traverse of activity happening in my life. And so in 1995, I, I'm a family man now, we're married uh, and we were married in 89. And uh, my uh, oldest son wasn't well, so my wife stayed with him. So I went up with our youngest son who was age two. And we went up to Georgian Bay and Georgian Bay is to the north. Uh, of another partial, uh, uh, which is connected to Lake Ontario, but it's a big body of water in the north. And uh, one night uh, I was outside and I had the baby monitor uh, of the cottage I was renting right off the shoreline of Georgian Bay. And as again, as it hit dusk, this is August, uh, late August, by the way, in 1995, I noticed way out there, I, I'm guessing five, 10 miles, uh, you know, across the bay, I saw a light appear and I saw another one and I saw another one and I saw another one and I started seeing a bunch of them. Some would then go off and then come back on and more would come on and until there was an entirety, I'm guessing, because there's so many, I hard to count, but I got to estimate there was at least a hundred lights that made the shape of almost what you would consider the shape of a bell, bell shaped. And I, I'm just like fascinated and I have a pair of binoculars beside me and I'm focusing and all I can see is the spectrum of, of uh, multicolored lights to each of the lights. And uh, so you couldn't really draw out to see any kind of a shape if they were all connected, but it, it was quite a spectacle to see. And then it looked like it was started moving towards me. I'm going, what the heck? I started getting a little afraid. The entirety of the episode uh, was 15 minutes. So in the last three to five minutes, uh, the light started to reduce. In other words, they started to go out almost periodically how it all started when it began. So some lights would come off and more would come on, but there were more going off to a point that after the entirety of 15, 20 minutes, all the lights were gone. I thought, boy, you know, that really freaked me out. What is that? And so I went to uh, next door uh, the following day and I asked them, I said, do they, are they still doing the, uh, the tours on a boat, you know, uh, that they do out in Georgian Bay. And they said, no, that stopped years ago. And I thought, oh, okay, thank you. So again, uh, here's something extraordinary. What was it I had witnessed? Fast forward, uh, August, again, all these are seem to be occurring in August, the eighth month. The uh, 
camp I was at is now at the Sandbanks. The Sandbanks off Lake Ontario. So for where I live, it's about a, a two, two hour journey uh, east and then south to get to uh, the Sandbanks where I go to camp. And I, I uh, usually do this uh, through the years. Uh, when my children hit age four, we did it every year for a number of years. Anyway, that night on August uh, 99, uh, I was uh, at, the, at the campsite on my chair and I'm just looking at the wonders of how many stars are out there because of course there's less light pollution and air pollution period, but you get a grander view of the stars. And I suddenly I saw this huge neon green ball. The best way to describe it would be like looking at the harvest moon. It was that big. It whizzed by from one to two seconds above me and even had a wake in front of it, you know, like a boat or a bug creating a, a wake as it moves around. It was huge, absolutely huge. It was fast. Like I said, uh, if you blinked, you may have missed it, but it did happen. So this is what's happening in 99. And I thought, my God, you know, like, what, what is going on here? Okay. Um, I also had one, I went a little uh, jumpy there, but uh, in 1989, again, August, I was heading down, down Toronto. It was 11 o'clock again, the month of August. And as I was going down the highway, 11 o'clock PM, I noticed some cars off to the side on the Don Valley. This is a major artery to get in Toronto, Bo. And so I looked because you could see one pointing standing there as I'm driving through. Uh, and I could see an object right sitting there stationary beside the CN Tower. And guess what? It was the same features of the close encounter I had in 77 of its lights rotating around. I thought in my mind, well, you know, soon we'll get disclosure, uh, you know, in 2000, there, there's, uh, you know, reports of UFO sightings, and, and they're, you know, it's, it's really in my mind at that time that I, I know there's been reports, people have reported them. Uh, you know, I, I didn't dive right in to see just how much, but, you know, I knew of it. So I move on with my night, my life, right, because you're still young. Anyway, uh, sorry to jump back into that time, but Back to fast forwarding uh, beyond 99, that uh, there's, there's uh, a sighting that uh, is the icon that has brought my attention. And this one would be at camp again at the Sandbanks on August 3rd, 2002. And again, uh, funny enough, at around 2.30 in the morning AM, waking up in my camp chair uh, with the fire out and my kids are sleeping in the tent next to me, I thought, oh, it's time to go to bed. So I picked up uh, the items to put into the car and I thought, uh, you know, I don't want to get robbed or have them missing or any kind of moisture from the dew on anything electronic. And when I went to the car, I looked up to the east. Uh, I could see a single uh, bright light going across the sky. I thought, okay, it's a jet, you know, uh, I'm half asleep. Go to the other side of the car, putting more stuff in and I look and I see another light trailing it. So there were two lights in unison, one following behind the other. 
uh, it's hard to say distance. I would have to say at least a, uh, uh, two, 300 yards apart, maybe quarter mile because of their altitude, the darkness, very hard to say. But I instantly ran over the picnic table, grabbed a high powered flashlight, and I had flashed the first object three, four times. Then I flashed the second one trailing it three, four times. And then I did a circle between them or you know, around both of them uh, three, four times. And I put the flashlight down, I'm watching them going across the sky as they're getting over Lake Ontario. They went across, they didn't turn, they just redirected west, almost as if one object, okay? The hairs on my neck stood up just to witness how they just redirected their, their flight. They didn't turn. It's like coming east to the south over the lake and then just redirecting to the west. And I watched this uh, as they're going over, they were slow. Uh, after a couple of minutes, I lost them behind the trees. The trees would be in the way as they went west. And I thought, my God, that is something. And the following day uh, or night, which was our last night, I thought I'd stay up one more time uh, at those late hours to see anything else, which I didn't. The uh, one week later on Saturday, August 10th, uh, I was reading the Toronto Star uh, paper. And something that caught my attention was that crop circles found in Howick, Quebec on August 3rd. And when I looked at the feature of the circles, which is knowing a crop circles, this is considered the Celtic cross, that uh, it is the same features of the craft I witnessed in 77. In other words, the larger light, orangey light in the center with the four circles on the perimeter, blue, green, yellow, red. And I was kind of like thinking, wow, uh, it's not in our province, but it's close. It's next door. Uh, Quebec is next door to Ontario. So right away, I thought with the crop circles and with the sighting I saw, I felt that there was a presence between both provinces that night or morning, August 3rd, 2002. So now the synchronicities are gonna start rolling in because this has also been an association of synchronicities. That night on August 10th, 2002, we decided to go to the drive-in to a town that's east of us, a 45 minute ride, it's Port Hope. And what is the feature film playing is crop circles of signs with Mel Gibson. So I load up the car, take the family in my G20, Infinity, and we're at the drive-in. And before signs, there was a runner-up movie. And about halfway through the movie, at approximately quarter after 10 p.m., on that night, August 10th, 2002, this blanket, low flying blanket of purple light came over the drive-in. I'd have to say the best way to describe it is like a blanket. Uh, maybe about a square mile, maybe two square miles. It's very low. I'm looking through uh, my open sunroof at it. Nobody in the drive-in's been responding yet. It's been five, six minutes. Until then, everybody started coming out of their car, marveling it, pointing up. 
and going, wow, you know, what is that, blah, blah, blah. But after, again, five minutes, they all go back into their vehicles, watch the movie. This thing's still over us. The best way you could describe it is like the Northern Lights. Or the, uh, you know, I've seen the Northern Lights before, nothing like this, nothing. It was, it was the most richest purple light you could lay your eyes on. It, it, it had a different kind of purple color that I've never seen. And as I continued to watch it, as everybody's watching the drive-in, the way the waves were moving, it almost seemed to have some kind of consciousness or intelligence. It then moved off heading towards the Southeast, quite frankly, is Lake Ontario or where I go to camp. At the tail end of it, uh, you could see like an aqua blue color now, the tail end of it as it's leaving. And I thought, you know, what's going on here? This is something. Uh, I'm getting curious now. So uh, I thought the best thing to do is to find somebody in ufology. In other words, contact a local investigator of UFOs, see if I can get some information of my curiosity to put to rest. So late August 2002, I met up with the local investigator, Victor, and I described the sightings I had uh, of the nine I had. I haven't given you the total nine. We'll be here for hours talking. But um, he then asked me about any childhood nightmares. And I said, well, the mummy dream. He says, well, tell me about that. So I told him, you know, that uh, there were these ongoing dreams of these insect kind of guys. Uh, and one, the first time they were very, very frightening and such. And I told him about, you know, sometimes uh, in these dreams, I see like a shadow person. And then he says, uh, wow, you're a very extraordinary uh, case. He said, boy, to be underneath that craft for 15, 20 minutes, that must've been something. And he said, I do believe in abducted. And I looked at him, I said, kidnapped? And he says, yes, he looked quite serious. And I laughed at him, I said, no, they were just nightmares, okay? I wanted to know about the UFO thing. That's what I wanna know about. What's going on with this? So not getting enough information from him, it then came to the point where the Ackerman UFO, as I stated, is you find out. So what I did, Bo, is I started a research program myself, amateurish, I guess you could say. And it was like a part-time job and when I got home from work and had eaten and such and taken care of kids and they go to bed, I would spend three to four hours a night, every night studying, studying of UFOs, studying about uh, aliens, studying about the site, the sightings past, uh, present, the history. I started to look into the crop circle uh, uh, information. I started to look into angels, demons, I started looking at ghosts. I started looking at uh, remote viewing. I started looking at uh, a lot of different uh, interconnected subjects, uh, looking for answers. It's just like, you know, you got a, a land full of rocks that you have to turn over to see what's underneath them. And that's what I did. Uh, I wanted to know about alien agenda, uh, uh, agendas or, uh, What's the agenda of abduction? Of abduction, um, I found all kinds of nooks and crannies of stuff. 
and uh, I was just like, uh, my eyes were probably getting wide to what I was absorbing and reading. And uh, in 2002, you know, that was the close of my ninth sighting. But in 2003 uh, was the year about to change my life, uh, probably even my character altogether. In 2003, the media had already started coming out that Earth and Mars closeness in 60,000 years is to happen on August 27th, 2003, the first time in 60,000 years since we've been Neanderthals. Now, doing the studying of ufology, I thought, oh, Earth and Mars closeness in 60,000 years. It's been suggested when Earth and Mars are closest that these UFO flaps break out worldwide. So I thought, well, maybe this is some kind of a window or, you know, uh, when they uh, appear around the earth, you know, uh, there's been reports, of course, right around the world. There's hot spots here and there that are ongoing, but, you know, I thought this, this sounds very monumental. Uh, so um, I continue on studying and my first sighting happened on March 3rd, 2003. This one I call the triple three. Uh, if anybody studies the uh, meaning of triple three, that's telling you there's angels uh, present. And what I saw with my own eyes when I stepped out for my lunch break at 12 o'clock noon, I stepped away from the building and I looked up above the roof and to my amazement, I saw brilliant white object that looked the shape of an angel or a cross. It was uh, probably about a thousand feet sitting there. It wasn't totally stationary, but it wasn't moving anywhere really. I took a few steps back away from the building and saw a second one. Now there's two of them. After 15 minutes, and this is the most brilliant white you can lay your eyes in or on, on the background of a blue sky because it was a bright blue sky. One had left after 15 minutes, but I'm still watching the other one above the roof now. And I had my focus on it, probably having my third cigarette by this time, because you know it's been near half an hour since I've seen them. And there, one is still sitting up above my roof. Now it had decided to go Southeast. So I stepped out onto the street watching it still as it's now uh, a mile or two away, you could still see it. And as it went underneath uh, some clouds now where it was in that location, I could clearly see as it's moving underneath the cloud, it was like a light. And I thought, wow, you know, uh, first one. I had my first sighting on that date. And I'm going, you know, uh, with the studying and such, I'm feeling uh, charged up, I guess you could say exhilarated. Uh, no fear. Uh, my feeder is the fascination and curiosity of what is it, you know? And uh, so preceding that and noticing between uh, January to April, we had a lot of power outages here in the town of Oshawa, Whitby. Uh, the majority of them would just be a suddenly uh, on and off where it affects the clocks, but we've had some for 10 minutes off, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour. So that was noted. On uh, March 18th, 2003, 
I'd woken up and there was a lot of uh, daylight coming in through the window. And I looked at my clock and there's no lights on it. It's out. And the phone light is out. And I thought, oh, we had a power outage. I'm late for work. Uh, I rushed downstairs to the basement and or rather to the kitchen. And uh, I looked at the clock and it's eight o'clock. Well, I'm an hour late. I'm supposed to be there at eight. And it takes me an hour to commute. So just for the heck of it, I turned on the kitchen light. It came on. I go, oh, power's back on. So I went back upstairs uh, and I see that the clock and the phone is still out. I'm going, what's going on with this? So I went uh, to the light switch, turned it on, came on. I dropped to my knees under the bed. My plug uh, that are connected to these uh, instruments, the phone, the clock, has been pulled out from underneath the bed. So I went around the other side where my wife sleeps, uh, got underneath and snugly uh, put the plug in because it's a snug plug, it's not loose. And no time to waste, got to work. Uh, and uh, here's where it starts getting to be funny. My wife called me late morning and said, Paul, something's wrong with their phones. I go, what do you mean something's wrong with their phones? She said, when the phone rings and I pick it up, it's like a recording. Please hang up and try your call again. Please hang up and try your call again. This is a recording. And, and then the beeping would start. And I said to her, well, okay, honey, uh, there's something wrong with the phones. I'll check it out when I get back uh, from work. At least you can get the calls out. And I left it to that. And I'm thinking in my mind with everything going on. So fast forward, uh, I got home and my wife said, uh, that phone is in stop ringing. And as she said, the tones on the rings for all three phones. I have a fax phone down in the family room. I have the kitchen phone and the phone upstairs. Their ring tones were indifferent. They weren't their proper ring tones, which was strange. Not only had I realized it, my wife had told me. So I picked up the phone when it rang. Please hang up, Trey, call again. I said, fine. So I hung up the phone. I called Bell Canada. They looked into it and that was the end of it. it. There was nothing more to it, okay? So fast forward, I was at Canada's Wonderland on June 21st, 2003. And I took my son for his birthday with three other friends. And at 9.55, while he was on a ride with one of his friends, his two other friends remained on the ground with me waiting for them to have the final ride at the closing of the park. And I looked up to the sky and I saw a long uh, cigar torpedo cylinder. It was a long craft. It's like a wingless aircraft uh, that was brilliant white and light. And it moved across the sky. And as it was the closest point we could see clearly a red and green light under the front of it rotating underneath. And at the back of it, another uh, set of lights, green and red rotating. And it jumped across the sky like a tick. It covered, I swear, I covered five, seven miles within a few seconds. It was the most incredible thing you could ever believe to see. And it, it to me, it looked like a futuristic craft like some kind of a shuttle okay but it jumped across the sky like you would not believe 
Now, the witnesses were shoken. I asked my son if he saw it, he denied it. And I found out later his friend on the right even asked him, what's that in the sky? But he ignored it. So he was embarrassed for me talking to his friends because I had brought the light of this. So as the sightings would continue on July 18th, I returned back to the place of the close encounter in 77. And after work, I went to the field and I was staying in the middle of the field and I was uh, rotating around looking at the sky. It was some cloud, mostly blue. And of course, when I faced the west, I would put my hand against the, the sun rays, not, not to be blinded by the sun. And then I did this for about 15 minutes or so. And what do I see to the west? I see a flat, best way to describe is a silver sheet, a rectangle moving across the sky, low, I would say below 2000 feet anyway. And I could see what looked to me like a black bird circling around it. And, and I'm watching it uh, probably for about a minute and it's moving slow and now it's starting to go in the clouds and I lose both what I'm seeing. This, which I figure is a bird, but is it a bird? Because it's so far away. But you could definitely see the glinting of the light that looked like a silver uh, uh, rectangle type of flat object. And I sort of dropped to my knees and I thought in my mind, what's going on here? You know, here I come to the location for the first time, for the first time though, that already I'm seeing something. So after that, I went home and I thought, you know, I'm just gonna, again, like all, let it go. Okay, you've just experienced something, you've seen something, you're confirming something. Fast forward, and, I, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna probably miss a couple of things here, but I just wanna get to the key points or geez, I'll be taking up the whole day in my story here. Um, on August 7th, I'm again at camp, 2003. And it's only with one of my sons there and he's in the tent. And again, this is one o'clock in the morning. I had decided to go in for a shower. So I left the, the tent. I know it'd be all right because it's a private campground. And uh, I'm at the back of the showers. So it's, you can just imagine a building with different cuticles along the building that has its own shower stall. Uh, you put coins in and I'm just finishing a cigarette there. And as I'm finishing the cigarette, now there is a, a, a light on a single pole where you have vision. So uh, as I'm finishing my cigarette, this flying snake-like creature appears coming in uh, very close to me, about five, six feet away, five, six feet off the ground. And it was flying past me. It was grayish uh, in color. Uh, maybe with a little uh, whiteness to some parts of the body. It's kind of like taking a broom handle stick, cutting it three feet, increasing the girth about four or five inches and putting two eyes in the front of it. And behind this creature, biological it was, had like uh, a gyration of what I would maybe say wings because they were brilliant white at the back. And as the creature passed me, I could hear the gyration, almost like a fan. 
And even when the creature passed me, because it was so close and the, the light was on it, you could see the eyes sort of roll back like a dog, maybe the size of a, a, a goose, you could say the eyes were. And it did a figure eight and zoomed out and I screamed. I like, I, what the heck is that? I like, what is it? I, I tell you, I was now here, I'm frightened. Like, what is it because of the close proximity? And so uh, it came back again after 20, 30 seconds, but more into the night. Came in the same way, parallel the way it came in towards me. But now it's, it's like, you know, uh, 30, 40 feet away in the distance of the night. Did the same thing, looked like it did a figure eight because you saw it come in real quick and be gone. And I thought, what is going on here? Now, with the studying and, and all these uh, sightings happening, you start to question uh, back to your uh, situation, talking to the investigator uh, that I do believe, believe you've been taken or abducted. And that laughter now didn't seem so much of a laughter because why is it that Paul is seeing all this stuff? And, and I have to throw in the close encounter too, you know, because that, that alone is very dramatic uh, for anyone to, uh, you know, carry on their shoulders of that experience because it's, it simply defies, uh, you know, our understanding and, and how we were brought up, very unorthodox. And so um, I, I gave it a lot of thought. I'm trying to, you know, why am I seeing now all these sightings in 2003? You know, it's starting to, it's obviously an obvious increase. I'm thinking, does it have anything to do with Mars and Earth's closeness? I don't know. So uh, I carried on uh, going to work after camp and it, it just got too kind of funny that I said, you know what? How would I ever prove that these nightmares were in fact not nightmares? Because these are just ingrained memories of nightmares. So I thought in my mind, well, why don't I go to the public library in Scarborough and I'll see if I can find any information from any archived newspapers uh, to see if there were UFOs presence in that time. So uh, after work on August 13th, 2003, I decided I'll go to the Cedarbrae Library in Scarborough. And I was fortunate enough to get behind the counter because they said the Toronto Star archives had just been digitized. So I got on a computer behind the counter. The, the librarian allowed me to go over. And uh, she says, we don't usually do this, but I was able to. And I put three search words in. I put in Scarborough, uh, UFOs, and the 1960s in those three search words. And I pushed the button and I got a hit. And I got an article uh, that came out in the Toronto Star paper on August 21st, 1965, talking a story of a man named George Bierman. He and his wife in their Rexdale backyard, which is not far from Scarborough, uh, had witnessed the silver craft appear for five to seven seconds and then disappear. And uh, what caught my attention, which you can clearly see that you've just put up there, is it said, this, was, this is where the shock factor comes in very hard and very deep to any psyche. For the past five years, UFOs have been sighted at the rate of 150 a year. It's not stating where, I'm assuming Ontario, Canada, the world, I don't know. But here's where my shock factor went in. A number of such reports came from Scarborough only a few weeks ago. This, as you look up, scroll up to see the date of this newspaper was 1965. 
that's when these ongoing nightmares were happening. This is confirming to me there is a presence in Scarborough. I was uh, shocked. I was in deep shock. Even the close encounter, the, the, the flying snake, all the other experiences, if you add them up and total them, the shock factor is nowhere to then discovering this. Okay. I printed the article. I stepped outside the library. It was probably near seven o'clock. It was still, you know, kind of a hazy uh, night sky blue. And I looked up, Bo, and I thought in my mind that I've been watched my entire life, like feeling like a tagged animal. Okay. This is the feeling I have. And I was utterly in shock. I went home. I'd made a couple of phone calls, trying to reach out to anybody. It's, you're alone on this, man. You're alone. The next day I came to work. I pinned it up on my board. A coworker came by, I brought it to his attention. Didn't care. But like, my mind is like, wow. Okay. That these nightmares that I remember as I had later uh, did these composite drawings. And I'll just get in quickly to the nightmares. At age four, 1963, I had awoken in my bedroom and looking at a creature's face, uh, a very uh, hideous creature, uh, grayish uh, creature with huge black eyes. The eyes gave me a stare right through me that I could even read, not hear, but read through the eyes. How dare you look into my face? It seemed angry that I could see the face. I didn't close my eyes. My eyes were the only features I could move. I could not move my body. I couldn't scream. And the next thing I know, there's two of them and they're walking along the bedroom hall towards the bathroom. And what I do remember of age four, this is such uh, ingrained into my mind that I could see the legs moving, that they were spindly and they had uh, walked like they were robotic. There didn't seem to be much emotions to these except the anger. And as they walked past my parents' bedroom door, the light field look dimmer or in a field of, of light compared to where I was, I could see a differential. I could also hear one of my parents snoring. As they were walking robotically, I don't know if they were holding me or if I was floating in front of them. I can't tell you that. But suddenly I blacked out and then I woke up. And I woke up in a cornerless room the cornerless room was mushroom lit. You couldn't see the sources of light. And in this cornerless round room, I see a table. And as a four-year-old child, the first thing you think about is where's the chairs? There's no chairs around the table. But what I do see now suddenly are these shorter snowmen type of beings around. There was probably anywhere from, I don't know, five to seven of them around this table. And they would hold me because remember I'm only four and they would throw me to each other. 
And I remember one holding me and examining me from head to toe, like you would hold a child like this, going like this, and the head was bobbing like this. And I remember, don't look into the face, but I was looking at the cranial, very big. And next thing I know, they're tossing me around and there seemed to be something jovial, like a joke, like I could read from this group of shorter beings, Paul's the ball. And then I blacked out. Where am I now? Well, I'm in a black room. It's not my room because you would see the, the light from the windows. So I'm in a dark room, totally pitch black. I'm on my back and I'm looking and I see a light. I see a white light at a distance, moving like a pendulum, coming closer, getting bigger, getting closer, getting much bigger until it looked like a light totally encompassing me, pushing against my chest. And I was screaming and awoken in my bed. I had a sweat uh, as a four-year-old child happening, screaming for my parents. I was crazy screaming for my parents. They came into the room. I remember my father saying, should we take him to the hospital? My mother said, he's just had a bad nightmare. He's got a fever. I'll take him into my room and I'll calm him down. Needless to say, with that face cloth on my head, uh, within, to me, I think in time was probably an hour or two until we got into the morning uh, of daylight start, I did not sleep. I was uh, very much disturbed from this nightmare. And this nightmare didn't stop. These uh, little guys now would come around the bed uh, now, I have to tell you, I can't tell you it's every consecutive night, but I would say from age four to about six, periodically this was happening. And what I also noticed in the mix was a shadow person. The shadow person would be standing at the foot of my bed. It was a faceless type of being, maybe wore a hat or a cape, uh, not fat shadow, uh, kind of a, a, you know, thin to near semi-muscular type of figure and wouldn't interface with me, was always there at the foot of the bed. I never saw him move. It was just like he was watching. And, you know, but again, we got to remember, these are nightmares as a child that we assume. And so through the years of these two years uh, that I best can remember, that I was somewhere else, uh, almost like a home type of setting, not my home, but almost like a time, sort of a home setting, that I was playing with these other kids, but they weren't human kids. They were different. But we played, like hide and seek and stuff. So again, well, these were just nightmares. Okay, so I can only give my deposition of memory of these ongoing nightmares. So with the shock of this happening in your mind and confirming UFOs in Scarborough in 1965, here's synchronicities coming in. And so following on August 4th, I'm sorry, August 14th, 2003, we had a massive power edge across the Eastern seaboard. This happened at 411 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I 
was kind of like, wow, like here I find something out and now this big thing happens. This is affecting over 50 million people, by the way, because you being in Virginia, maybe didn't know the scope of it. But uh, yeah, it affected well over 50 million people in the US and Canadian citizens. And guess what? The last time that it happened was 1965, November 9th. So uh, there were reports of UFOs before and after this recent outage. And if you study 1965's power outage on uh, November 9th, uh, there were many reports of UFOs on both sides of Canada and the US. So, uh, you know, talk about uh, a coincidence, a synchronicity, what is it? And the power outages around me were happening. I noticed strangeness happening around the ground now. And with that, I'll give you a story that on Earth and Mars closeness, on August 27, 2003, Again, I stepped outside into our backyard because this was supposed to be the closest in 60,000 years. Who wouldn't want to miss that? In the backyard, I could see Mars to the east and the insects were chiming, the crickets were chiming. Ooh, you know, it's summer. And I noticed when the clouds would block Mars, you couldn't see it, all the insects stopped. When Mars was revealed again in the sky, they'd all start up again. Now here's the kicker. At near one o'clock PM, looking to the west in my backyard of Oshawa, I saw a wave of light. The wave of light, the best way to describe it is like a scanner, but here's the funny part of it. When you look as far north and as far south as you could see, it was long miles and miles. I don't know if it was going across the whole planet or what, but within that 15 at max 20 second window, as soon as I saw it coming from the west overhead and turning around and watching it go east, it was that kind of thing that one would ponder. Did I just really witness that? But I did. And this again is, you know, uh, bringing in, uh, you know, what was it? Reasoning. But again, this was tied in to Earth and Mars closeness. Be sure to go to my Instagram page, The Bump Podcast, and join the giveaway that I'm doing there. I'm giving away two bracelets of The Bump Podcast. It has the bump podcast on one side, a logo on either side of that, and the back of the bracelet says Believer. Also, there's going to be a keychain I'm giving away from, that has my logo on it, and it's the only place you can get this keychain thus far. It's a very limited supply, so I figured I would do it as a, as a giveaway to say thank you guys for all the love and support I've been given. Don't forget to check out Squatch Survival Gear, for gear that'll keep you alive on the worst day of your life. Um, go to the website, SquatchSurvivalGear.com. Use the promo code BUMP10. Save 10% off site-wide. They have everything you need. It's all made in America. Every component of every product. It's a veteran-owned company. They have everyday carry gear. They have rifle cases. They have Kydex holsters. 
And of course, they have the Squatch Survival Gear packs. I have the Rock Ape. I don't have a bad thing to say about it. I absolutely love it. Um, I'm planning a, a camping trip next next month, and it's going to hold everything I need to go for as long as I want to go. Uh, I'm planning on three days, but if I go five, it's all going to fit inside that Rock Ape pack. So check it out, SquatchSurvivalGear.com. Now, the uh, sightings I've had in 2003, 2004, uh, have averaged uh, probably about 15 uh, dominantly daylights. Um, the out for 2003 was 16 UFO sightings, 14 of them being daylight sightings and attaching 18 witnesses to some of these sightings, uh, mostly to the day. Uh, they're very extraordinary. Uh, the, uh, the feeling or impact to the psyche of the power outages happening around you, uh, paranormal things were happening. Um, I was going home early on March 4th, 2004. Uh, it was midday and I noticed a black helicopter on the highway because it's a 45 kilometer jaunt uh, that this black helicopter maintained about a mile apart from me on the highway as I'm going due east towards Oshawa. So I played a little game. I thought, you know what, I'll turn off at the hardwood uh, turnoff in Ajax and I'll see if it follows south with me because there's a road that rail, uh, rolls um, parallel with the highway. And this black helicopter, okay, the pictures you're showing right now, that black helicopter is the same model that followed me. It's uh, unmarked, it followed me. And what do I mean follow? As I was going along Bailey in Ajax, uh, moving in towards uh, Whitby, a, a black Cessna plane, low flying, no markings, with a uh, one light on one part of the wing flew over me. The black helicopter then proceeded and went over me low, turned around and now was following in front of me. So it was leading as I was heading in that direction. I got off the road onto uh, the road I have to get onto to getting home. And so I pulled into the intersection to the gas station and it stopped and it was south sitting there waiting. I pumping the gas watching it, had a bit of noise to it. It was probably about 500 feet sitting there south of me, about a quarter mile or more. And I finished up and I got into my car and started to proceed north. And now the helicopter was proceeding north with me, uh, parallel uh, about a quarter mile west of me, uh, a little further north to me. And then I had to turn east and it turned east with me following parallel along with me. And I had to go into a plaza. It's a strip neighborhood plaza. I have to get my lottery tickets, of course. So I pulled into the plaza. The helicopter, as I'm parking, then went over the plaza slowly and put itself about 100 yards away or so uh, over a hydro field sitting there. I got out of the car. I blew a kiss and put a peace sign up and went in to do the business I had to because when I looked at it, you cannot see inside the cockpit. It is totally uh, blacked out with tinted glass. 
no markings. This is why I can tell you there was no markings on it, period. Uh, it was uh, uh, looked like an ultra type of helicopter, uh, not your conventional ones like a Bell helicopter or such. But uh, so I came back out, I ignored it, got into my car and went my merrily way through the neighborhood. And now it's directly above my car following me low. You could hear it. And I pulled in towards my property, opened my garage door, closed the garage door, and came outside and looked around. It was gone. So, oh my God, what, what's going on here? Why am I being followed by a black helicopter? Well, some months later, I'll be jumping here, but some months later that year, I talked to two investigators. And I, I, each one I was speaking to, when I got a little sensitive in conversation, suddenly the phone went, wheel, 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 wheel. now this is my landline. This is not a cell phone. This is a landline. You can hear, wheel, 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 like going really loud to such a, a frequency of sound that you had to pull your phone away from the ear. After 30, 40 seconds, when it stopped, I put it back to my girl, hello, hello. I would hear a click. And then I'd hear the other party go, hello. And I go, did you hear that? And they go, hear what? Both times. This was in the fall of 2004, okay? So I was to the point knowing then to confirm, now I've got an Intel agency monitoring me. I didn't go public, nothing, okay? Did not go public. It was just all this, what was happening to me, pointing them to witnesses, and, you know, they were starting to add up, eh, in 2004, you know, from 2003. And some of them being multiple and multiple uh, sightings, same witness, some of them. And uh, anyway, you get to the point like, you know, what what is all this about? And I'm continuing with my, set, my uh, amateur uh, research into subjects, broadening it uh, much more. I started learning about other subjects that were interconnected, uh, such as numerology, uh, because numbers jump at me. Uh, and I'm starting to see synchronicities happening, not just with numbers, but with names. It's, it's almost like things are connecting and, and funny a way to say it, but it is, it's really uncanny. And, and of course, to have a, a synchronicity or a coincidence to happen, the uh, more you have or that you must have a very good memory. And I have that gift of having a memory that I can connect them, right? Like I was just telling you about my G20. Kind of funny now they call it G20. We never knew about G20 when it was signed on August 20th, 2003 on the 232nd day, which is a seven, which of course leaves 133 days left of the year, which is another seven, seven, seven. That fits perfect for their signing. And we never heard about that till 2008 when they all started talking about new world order. Huh? So uh, in the regards of uh, now feeling I've got another party watching me, uh, it goes further. Um, in the late uh, of 2004, I got an email from a reporter to a big uh, news station here in Canada. I'm not gonna say who it is and asked if I'd be willing to talk about this. And I right away went, what? How did you get my email? And 
I got an answer later saying, oh, I found your name on a blog. And, and I may have done that, maybe made a little comment. But here, out of the blue, with the buzz of so many websites and ufology, and, well, not so many, there were some, they weren't as plentiful as they are today, because I'm going back to 2004. And she said, oh, I found your uh, name and asked, she just generally wanted to ask if I would come on TV and talk about this. And I, I, I think I smell myself, some kind of a setup happening here. And I'm not looking for that because I am very cautious when I walk. And, uh, you know, I have learned um, even when we go beyond that, but we know that uh, when you're talking mainstream media or you're talking movie networks or any kind of uh, professional uh, corporate uh, storylines, they're not going to give you exactly as what I'm telling you right now. Things will change or be tweaked. So you're not get the entirety of the raw truth. And regards to that, they've also uh, can belittle somebody. So I wasn't about to get caught into that web uh, being uh, having a young family back then. You know, uh, I did not want the attention. And so I had passed that uh, reporter on to the investigator. Uh, and apparently he had uh, gone through uh, doing a gig on uh, the news, uh, a small piece about ufology, which is fine for me. I don't care, but I didn't want to get face and name involved. And so here we are in 2004, and I still have not gone public. And so when did I go public? I went public in 2005. Are you familiar uh, with the man, uh, George Filer? Um, I don't think so. Okay. George Filer uh, is is a Air Force man, intelligence man. And he does a website called Filer's Report. And uh, in my research, uh, I've seen people who uh, were taking reports. Another Canadian man here, his name is Brian Vike. V is in Victor, I-K-E. And he would take UFO reports, but he wouldn't give a name. And I like the idea of not giving my name. So I'd sent to, I started sending first to Brian Vike, uh, which was my report of August 14, 2004, uh, because it was fresh. And uh, then I, I sent a, a report to uh, George Filer and I asked him not to use my name. And well, he did. He used my last name. And I was a little shell-shocked about that. And so I emailed him, asked him, why would you uh, put my name when I asked you not to? He said, Paul, there's nothing to be uh, fearing of any kind of ridicule. He said, quote, Presidents, U.S. presidents, astronauts, and other dignitaries have claimed to have witnessed a UFO. So there should be no problem with such as yourself reporting something. So I thought about it and I let it go. I said, okay, fine. So I continued to uh, send to Mr. Filer. And in February 2005, I did a, uh, an interview with Jerry Pippen. I don't know if you're familiar with Jerry, uh, rest in peace. Uh, he passed away about four years ago. 
But I did a piece with uh, him, Jerry Pippen uh, interview, and I told him, I just want to go as Paul Michael. Uh, you know, because uh, you can talk about a UFO, that's one thing, but if you start complicating the situation, uh, raising the bar of uh, what people will be able to digest of such as alien abduction, that's, that's kind of like, you know, like bringing yourself back to the 60s or 70s, I've seen a UFO, because now it can be accepted, but the, the abduction thing, people can't wrap their head around that, because First of all, it hasn't happened to them. And secondly, they haven't looked into the material uh, to look for the commonalities, uh, you know, cross-referencing that, you know, there's really maybe something very much going on with this. And so, and that would only make sense. You have uh, UFO sightings. Well, you ask yourself, what's your purpose here? They're up to something, right? And then we can go into a slew of many things, including cattle mutilations, crop circles, uh, you know, uh, maybe visiting our planet uh that this is a planet uh that harbors uh you know like a a resting place or gas station whether it be the water the minerals sucking up something from a hydro plant substation uh you know any type of energy uh just like an outpost i guess you could say so uh i continue to review i continue to see uh you know and so at the last minute, I thought, why not email Jerry back and Larry Dickens that you can put my full name up, which I did. And, uh, you know, I just felt uh, it was needed to be done because you have to make an example to bring other people out of the closet. Because if nobody comes out, it's like you go to the beach, nobody's in the water, I'm not going in there, are you crazy? You have to make an example. So I've sacrificed myself to do this. And by that, um, your peers change uh, towards people. This is, this is the stigma of it all. But I just feel it very important that my human family should be aware that we are not alone. And in fact, in subject, I see we've never been alone. There's so much evidence that takes us back, uh, you know, thousands of years, for heaven's sakes. You can see you can see even the Sumerians, they were heavily into genetic engineering back then. That was 7,500 BC. So uh, the most thing that was really interesting to me, Bo, was I crash landed here in 59. Where am I? I'm on what we rectify or know a planet called Earth, third from the sun, this state of time this state of dimension. Okay, that's cool. But I know and feel deeply in my bones, and, and this goes against the grain of, of uh, religions and some that congratulate this theory, but I do believe we reincarnate. And, and what I mean by that is when you reincarnate, well, what are you talking about, man? You're, once you're dead, you're dead, you're you know, uh, you burn or you're buried, you're, yeah, the carcass, but the uh, soul, the spirit, uh, which is defined if we want to talk computers, is your hard drive. The body you resided in or reside in is your software, the software of your DNA. Now, some might argue, some might say, yeah, that's true. Many might argue, but who's not to say that in our DNA 
how old is your DNA? Take us back. So the DNA as the program, or I'm sorry, software, are the abilities than any other biological organism has that program of survival, yes? The traits of survival. We as humans, we have considered five senses. That's our survival. But what if there are other bits of information in our genetics that are a little indifferent from each other that correspond in survival of maybe psychic abilities? Things that haven't been tapped. We know that even the story, uh, child just got run over by a car, the mother comes and has the strength to lift the car off the child. Because we know in the animal kingdom, there's love. Love is a very strong vibration. So we know a mother will fight against any larger predator to guard its young. We as humans also have that vibrational state. So the conscious of your matter is just that. What is your vibrational state at? And the highest vibrational states is love and joy. Isn't it great? But if you're in depression or stress, you're at a dis-ease. You're in a disease. In order for your health to raise the vibration, which I'm sure raises your immune system, you're happy, you're vibrant. Because when you have the stress, it doesn't leave the head, it comes to the shoulders, so you get pain, or your back. But more so, we know many deaths are caused through a heart attack, and that is from stress. So we need to level off and be happy with ourselves, who we are in our, in our mind. And so this is things I'm starting to learn of myself more, for sure. So uh, beyond 2004, uh, and with the reporter, I thought in my mind, and by the way, I had uh, 11, 12 people contact the local investigator of what they were seeing with me. They were the bravest to call them, because some people just no man. But I had 11 people, 12 people call them, and uh, you know, it didn't go anywhere. And so I thought, from the reporter, I thought, why don't I round up a few people with myself and get them to come with me and report this uh, for the news? Not one person would come forward, not a one. So it came to my attention that now what I must do is I'm going to buy a camera. I never even thought of a camera in truth because of so much going on. I, I, it just continues. I, I'll just keep pointing them out to people. That's it. I'll just, but you know, the reactions of people are fearful. Uh, some are afraid even of the ridicule if they talk uh, in their peers to somebody about it. And some of them didn't give even a heck. Didn't want anything to do with it. Don't want to talk about it. Okay, fine. So my camera was now going to be my best friend. Because as they say, 
like the fish story. Oh, you wouldn't believe the big one that got away and I tell you the story. If I have the picture, it has a thousand words of my story. And that's how I decided to proceed in 2005, getting my first uh, digital camera, Olympus, <laughs> a 1.8 M- a, a uh, MP, uh, 3.8 optical zoom, not the best. But through the years I developed, you know, in getting new cameras, better cameras, uh, to the point uh, from that on in 2005, uh, averaged 15 to 30 sightings uh, a year up till about 2015. It started to change in 2015. Uh, the counts were becoming higher. So I started counting uh, there or thereafter. Uh, in the last uh, two years, I've had well over 150 sightings each year. Uh, before that was 70, 80. So in the last, uh, I would say five years, uh, from the 1967 to 2002, having nine sightings, maybe 10, that, um, you know, that's a long stretch, but uh, for 2003, having 16, it suddenly, you know, just jumped the charts. And so witnessing, because I was now attentive, this is key, why I'm seeing more, is I'm more attentive to the sky. So I'm having this kind of hobby of sky watching. You know, I'm not obsessed with it. Like, man, every minute I got to look, but it's just funny, even in the timing, when I step outside, boom, there it is. You know, and even you get the feeling, you get the feeling before you go out, it's waiting, like you're going to see something and you do, you see something. So uh, with the cameras and taking pictures, uh, I'm, I'm sharing this personally, that on um, August 17th, uh, 2017, 18, 18, 2018, yes, that it came out, side break like normal in the morning. This is where I catch stuff, right? <laughs> break lunch. Wow, aren't I so lucky in the timing? But uh, that morning, uh, there was some cloud cover, there was some patches of blue, and I thought, okay, I'm, I look up and what do I see? Bada boom, bada bing. I see a rectangle white object sitting high in the sky there. Okay, take the camera. I'm going to take a picture. Here we go. I'm going to take the picture. As I'm about to take the picture, looking through it, it has a pulse of flash, disappears. Wouldn't let me take the picture, decide to leave. I go, wow. From that moment on till September 24th, I had seen no daylights. Now this is unusual for the pattern of the years I've noticed that this was prime time. The the UFO sightings, I gotta say, the high times were June, July, August, September. But this this window here, there are no daylights, why? So um, on September 24th, 2018, I I had my camera in my pocket and I walked uh, on the other side of the building where the parking lot is. I've seen stuff there too, I've got some amazing photographs you've yet to see that I've sent you. But the uh, thing was, I thought my mind, I wanna know why this is not happening. So I'm out there in the parking lot. It's just about time to go in soon because it's a 15 minute break. It's an afternoon break. And I looked up in the sky and I said out loud, 
I know that you know that I know you're up there. Please show me a sign. Within seconds, a ball, this was not a spherical one. This was like a, a oval type of shape one, very big. There was some cloud there. Uh, less than a quarter mile away, uh, about 500 feet or more uh, in the sky, moving from the uh, east, or I'm sorry, from the west to the east, where I'm looking to the north. This thing's moving across. I pull out my camera. I put the camera in front of my face. I didn't even, you know, look at both of the camera. And I just put the camera in front of my face to point at it. And I lowered it down in five, eight seconds. And I look, it's not there. And so I review the camera, like, you know, I must have got it, you know, a couple of seconds or something. Nothing. This was telling me, I, you're not going to film me. But I'll show you, but I'm not wanting to be filmed. So this gives me a clear indication that, and, and I got to tell you too, based on all the varieties I've seen, I think you might have to stretch the, uh, the levels of organization of matter uh, from a lower to a higher than what's higher above us. In other words, from solid to the translucent, to the pure light that you see, pure light, not solid, not translucent. So it's telling me that there are different levels of intelligence engaging around our realm here that come and go, okay? And the calling card, uh, by this, of course, I believe is your emotional state, how you feel that something is happening telepathically when they appear. Now, you might argue and say, well, maybe it has something to do with an implant that's connecting between parties. You know, when I was very young, at that age, four, five, six, seven, eight, I remember right at the bottom lobe of my ear, left ear, there was something in it. It didn't bother me. I knew there was something in it, but it didn't bother me, but it's gone. It was probably gone as I get into my, uh, you know, teens. But um, back to the uh, disappearing act that this, this had illustrated to me and pondered me to say, you know what, some of these don't want to be photographed. And even uh, recanting back to the 2003 and 2004, uh, I can guarantee you, if I would have got some footages of what I've seen of uh, these monumental UFO sightings, I know I would have somebody at my door, for sure, for sure, okay? So, you know, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask, you know, I didn't want to get involved in this, but it, 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 it's like I'm not a person to want to exploit myself. Uh, but what I do want to do now, because... I have to uh, put my name to something or a face is that I feel that this subject needs to be brought out to our human family. It, it, it's a study or it's an area of study. We need to understand that we are simply not the top of the food chain of intelligence here. And I'll, I'll make this uh, to a point that, you know, well, Paul, what have you seen? Well, it's been such a degree of many things. I've seen a ping pong size orb very close to me appear and disappear this is in the night okay i have seen that's the smallest i've seen close around me uh these spheres and i'll have to say spherical 360 uh that are the size of a beach ball 
for basketball, translucent in the day. Like it's not a bubble, man. And at night, uh, even like a, a, a star, like when you look at a star, it's like blue white moving across really fast. Like, I don't know, uh, 80, 90 feet away from me to blocking the sun and seeing a size of a round craft. And it is 360 with a rim, translucent like a jellyfish near Lake Ontario, anywhere from a mile to miles for five to seven seconds. Blocking the sun with that conifer tree, seeing this is a shock that would blow you away by the size. And inside that, you could see two circles on the half. So curious, George, as I wanna be, I wanna see the whole thing. I put my eyes to the sun to see the other half if there's two circles and the sunlight blinded me and I can no longer see it. And uh, I was just like shocked. It was huge, man, it was huge. Like, what am I gonna assume? There's thousands of aliens on there? But one thing you gotta look at because of its massive size, is it possible that what I'd seen this craft accommodated beings that are 13, 15, 20 feet in size? I don't know. Something to ponder, you know, being so big. And I have seen other types of larger crafts, triangle and uh, well, uh, it may be a triangle at the distance, but it's uh, manta ray, black shaped, very big, day, daytime. And, and because of the uh, sightings I have, and because I'm in the waters uh, trying to get witnesses and talk to witnesses and show them, there's two types of UFO sightings, Bo. Okay, and, and this confirms with uh, Dr. Dr. Carla Turner, let her rest in peace, but a, a great investigator uh, in the alien abduction matter and ufology. There are two types of sightings. There are sightings that are only for the individual or a group of people, nobody else, okay? No matter the size, no matter where it is, they're not seeing it. And then the second type of UFO sighting is the sighting that everyone can see, that it's opened itself up to see everyone. Now, when I come to the witnesses, it takes me a minute or two for me to come right up to them to see it. I have to point it, I have to directly point out because they don't see it. You know, it's not to say these are close encounters that are like 500 feet away. Okay, these things can be, you know, a thousand feet or two away, could be a quarter mile away, you know, uh, or some that have been close. Uh, but the fact remains is that I think they have to be in my field to see it. And what do I mean by that? I think. My designated field, if you know what I mean by my field, that you're, you're encompassing into my field. And now that you're in my field, you can see it. Whereas if you were across the street, you're going, hey, what are you saying? So this is just uh, something I've sort of picked up through the years on this. Uh, I'll just pause for a second if you have any questions. I do, I do. And I did not want to interrupt you because this has been a wealth of information and yes sir that's the idea I'm, we earn to learn I'm, to teach each yes i'm so glad i reached out to you and thank you for responding so quickly too you're welcome uh, i do have a lot of questions and sure um i just want to preface any question with 
I, I love that everything you're, that you're talking about here is validated and backed up with YouTube videos that you have. And I, I encourage everyone to go to your YouTube channel and check you out. I'll have links in the show notes for it. Um, sure. You know, it's one thing to say, to say this stuff. You're, you're right. A, a picture is worth a thousand words. A video, yeah, that's like a whole library. You know what I mean? So yes. I'm, I'm, I can't wait for people to actually see these videos. Um, okay, questions. The, I'll go way back. This flying serpent, this, this grayish, whitish snake. Yes. Um, it's just amazing. How, how long was this creature? And what, you say it was, it was biological for sure. It, it, well, uh, first question, how long was it? It's anywhere from two and a half to three feet. Okay, two and a half to three feet. And you said it was about five or six feet off the ground, five or six feet away. It was also. flying off. It was flying above the ground five, six feet. And it was five, six feet away from me. Okay. Very close, where I could hear the gyration of it. Yeah. Now, you said it was biological. It looked like a, an actual living, breathing kind of creature, right? Right, because of the eyes. Okay. And uh, it was under the light of the, the off the pole. But did, yeah. did it did it give off any kind of light or anything like that? Any kind of luminescence or? No, zero. the The only thing that was noticed of the body was the back end was brilliant white wings, if they were wings. Uh, right. it, it it looked like it was moving like in a gyration, like a fan. Okay. I <coughs> I've also noticed in some of the things you were describing, um, you used a couple of terms that that stood out to me you said that that uh that bright green light early in early in our conversation you said it left a wake in the yes. sky yes sir and and the purple blanket at the drive-in the that light right um it, it moved in waves you know yes is that right yes. that's right um it seems like you know and i've heard similar things before that these these crafts or whatever um, whatever they are move through the sky like something would through water. Correct. I've seen um, other tangible sightings that I haven't mentioned that move like water, like a bubble in water. Yeah. How do you think that describe. is? I'm sorry. I said how how do you think that they do that? How is is the sky not what we think it is or are well not are just they... the sky Bo, but what i've learned because like i'm telling you i'm ongoing studying amateur yeah. studying i'm not to claim that i have all the answers i can only give you conclusions and perspective in observation and study the thing is uh i told you uh in the states of matter of what i've witnessed have been solid have been translucent, like a jellyfish, mm -hmm. uh, of pure light, not solid, just light. And uh, I've also seen uh, like a fire in the sky, literally like a fire. But it's just the differential from solid to translucent to uh, light that there seems to be uh, a differential of appearance 
of uh, what it actually is or wanting to know what it actually is. So uh, because of that intelligence, what I'm saying is that there could be a higher intel, there is a higher intelligence above human for sure. Mm -hmm. But above us from that higher, there's something higher than it that's above it. Right. Okay. In other words, I'm saying there's two different parties above us, oh. not just one. You can't, I don't think I can say, well, you know what? Um, there is uh, one type of phenomena, one type of ET and nothing more to it. No, no, no. There are uh, realms or layers. Now, in speculation, we remember Einstein's uh, theory of time equals MC square. Mm -hmm. So E is energy, M is mass, C square is light energy. So um, when you study uh, vibration and light in the Bible, let there be light, there was sound, the sound of light. It's all vibrational. You start studying the Fibonacci numbers, the golden ratio. You start to look at cymatics. Cymatics, vibrational sound of hertz. So just an experiment, we, we have a plate and we put some granular sand on it at a vibrational state, it shows a form of a vibrational state, which happens, okay? So based on when you look into that, because we're talking geometries as well. So what I'm trying to say was of time equals MC square. If I change the C square, I'm changing light. If I'm changing light, vibration, I'm changing time. If I'm changing time, I'm changing dimension. So different layers beyond our third dimension of vibrational light, like an onion, huh? has layers at a higher hertz where it's a different realm. So these guys that come and go of appearance and uh, the uh, the wonder of, that looks weird like water or movement, uh, you know, uh, even like I described to you the uh, June 21st, 2003 craft going across the sky like a tick and no matter in a few seconds going miles for heaven's sakes. Okay, like, you know, that there are different dimensions and that they have the ability in their dimensional state or to use it as a hallway of doorways to come in and go. And through that, they're manipulating the time and space of where they are coming into us to where they are, which gives this uh, kind of uh, drastic appearance, you know, like, what is that, man? What am I witnessing? And, and this could also uh, work of what you call portal opening. The portal is opening. What causes or it's like here on our planet, we see rivers, we see lakes, we see oceans. Oh man, ponds and all kinds of things. This is, this is all uh, the landscape of the waterways. Look at it that way in energy that on the planet, there's energy signatures around the world. They're called ley lines through magnetism. So with the, ge the geographics or geometry of our planet as 
as those that say it's round, I'm not denying it's round. I'm not such a flatter guy myself, but the, the fact is, is that obviously there's some kind of a, a system, just like a, a two lakes finally connect with a stream. Okay, they're two separate lakes, but then suddenly, you know, one creates because of volume of water, uh, a stream to the next. Okay, so now we, we can go fishing on our boat from uh, uh, Lake A to Lake B when we go across the river. Okay, so I think this is the same kind of thing when you're looking at interdimensional beings that they have the ability to do this, okay? Uh, like I say, I don't know it all, but I think there is something to it and it's something to ponder. And I think there's a lot of work going into this right now and the more chatter of uh, people who are, uh, you know, the big hitters in ufology uh, who have been studying. I, 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 I take off my hat to Linda Moulton Howe. I mean, you know, I don't follow a lot of people, but that is one woman or person I will follow, okay? because she has such a, a wealth of information, such a wealth of uh, connections that she's putting the dots on the, on, on the board and she's connecting them also, okay? And so this is, this is for me as well, but I'll tell you, uh, it impacts the psyche. Of course it does. Uh, it changes uh, one's uh, social life right? Uh, you know, because he, your family might look at you like, man, what's up with him? You know, and I'm talking on aunts, uncles, cousins, and such, you know, but uh, I just feel it important that my human family should be aware of this, just as the wind blows, like there's a wind, man, like, where does it come from? Well, hey, it's the wind, but it's just as important for everyone to understand, you know, that you know, we're not on top of the food chain of intelligence. There is something coming and going, and there is something that's always here and has been for thousands of years. And, and so what's the grand scheme of it? Well, I think we're evolving in many ways. Okay, we are evolving. Yeah. So yeah, I think that, that, that's nothing to ring the bell and go, the invasion starts. No. Okay, like you know that uh, well, if it was the end of our existence, that would have happened long ago. So there is uh, something that's keeping us uh, balanced afloat and existing. And But I asked you earlier, how old your DNA? How would you feel if it was revealed that human DNA is not all terrestrial? I would be interested to hear about that. <laughs> well... Uh, who's your ancestor? Who's your last ancestor? Who's gone now? Who's your last ancestor? Neanderthal. Neanderthal's mm -hmm. gone. They died out. Uprose the Homo sapien. So how can the brain power have changed? And, right. uh, you know, how far back are we? 60,000 years, 120,000 years? Again, I'm saying I'm no expert, but <clears throat> just to give it sort of a, a broad model that, you know, it's questionable that in fact, it's even theorized that, well, long ago, Neanderthals were fine and 
And something came to the planet and looked, looked down and said, holy geez, look at all the minerals down there. How are we going to get them? We can't go down there. And one suggested, well, why don't we give them a little bit of our DNA, make them a little smarter, and we'll nominate a couple of people to be the grand poobahs to lead the people to get that gold. And so maybe, as Stitchin suggests, that was the theory of what was happening. Back to the old gold and gold rules today, doesn't it? So um, fast forward that maybe uh, certain DNAs with such a mixture, uh, you know, around the world uh, is happening. So not to scare you anything, but how do you know human DNA, meaning it's genetics, is the uh, uh, place to go uh, that might have uh, some signatures of their DNA that they're harvesting. So like in a greenhouse, yep. we love the flowers or we are part of it, which might explain the agendas, but there are many people who say, well, the agenda of alien abduction is to create a hybrid. Well, I believe all humans are hybrids. If I bring you back a human a hundred thousand years ago and you look at them, you're not recognizing them. That's true. That's true. All right. I got one last question. Um, and don't, I, I don't think you will, but don't take this the wrong way. This is just a, that's okay. Go ahead. Why do you think they chose you to reveal themselves to and, and, or even abduct at such an early age. What 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 are the markers you basically um, that that helps okay. them to select these people? You know, because there have been multiple abductions. So, okay, um, I'm not the only kid in town on this. Uh, right. Like I said, how do you start a movement if nobody goes out to the water? If you're out in the water, maybe other people will come and join you. I mean, this was hard for me to come out. Absolutely. I, I have uh, kept myself uh, keeping uh, my life, you know, personal, not mm -hmm. to, you know, exploit myself in any way. You know, I, I guess you could say I'm like a shy guy. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't show off. I'm, I don't believe I'm a person with high ego. But the uh, $64 million question you're asking, Paul, has it got something to do with genetics? Maybe. Maybe, uh, but from the uh, relentless uh, theorizing, research, wonder, ponder, I think it might have to do with the soul. Okay, yep. so it's like this, a soul, what do you mean? Well, let's just go to the Far East and say there are souls that reincarnate. That the soul can be a new soul the soul could be a young soul. Mm -hmm. The soul can be an old soul. I think I have the old soul. Yep. Yep. And that makes sense. You know, and 
I'm I'm with you on reincarnation too. So there's there's no there's no doubt in my mind to me that you know reincarnation is 100 percent what so, we deal with. You know. So like this, Bo, that if we can reincarnate mm-hmm. so many times, so many times, not just in this realm and this historical realm of time, but in other realms that are non-human, mm-hmm. that you don't have much memory of. It might be possible or theorized that the souls are also coming from outside this planet. Right. So right. there's an interest yep. to that it. Makes sense. And maybe to eventually become in an alliance to other uh, civilizations, other intelligences, because they ain't no doubt about it. We're a host held hostage in a hostile world. So right. we are programmed or indoctrinated to accept uh, the violence or the killing of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've accepted that. We accept people that have bombs dropped on them. It's a very barbaric world. So, you know, in your protocol, when you crash land here, in your protocol, how are you going to behave? Because you are the star of the show, Bo. You are the star. Each and every one of us born is the star of the show. And we're on stage here. And now being on the stage, how are you going to perform? Because you got everybody watching you that you don't see. Are you going to do it in a positive light? Or are you going to do it in a negative light? It's totally up to the star because it's their play. And so uh, when we start talking about in physics, uh, negative and positive, are you a positive person or are you a negative person? Well, how do we define that? Well, well I think the extreme would be, are you going to save somebody and is on the other side going to kill somebody? So that's what it's all about, I think. So I, I'm sorry that's kind of a long answer, but I think in a nutshell, it it might go beyond the genetics. It might have well to do with the soul. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's very interesting to think about. Um, that's a that's a good look. Um, that's a good perspective for it. Yeah. There, I think there is definitely something spiritual going on that, oh. that involves all this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And has it, has it destroyed my faith? I don't think so. No. Um, I was a child who went to Sunday school from age uh, six to about 11. Mm-hmm. And I learned about Jesus and such. Yeah, my background's Greek, eh? Uh, but I, I went to learn of that and uh, I absorbed it and understand. And so, uh, you know, I think I'm not a religious guy nowhere close to being religious but i am a very spiritual person and i believe in love and and if you've ever heard of the christ consciousness uh we may acquire that all of us uh, have the ability to do that is to love and cherish as you should cherish yourself first people don't cherish themselves anymore they feel upset with themselves so if you're not happy with yourself uh your inner self you think you're going to be happy with anything outside you no, not at all. Exactly. Exactly. That 
that brings us to the problem with the whole world. And yes, sir. Well, there's a lot of deception happening right now, too, sir. A lot of yes, programming yes. to program their perception. And through that is fear in the ear, my dear. You know, I believe that. And I believe that that is the reason why the government tries to keep this whole UFO flap under wraps. I think that those in the know, you know, that black helicopter in the sky, they're there to try to just keep us in check, in check. you know, you know, completely just in check. It, Keep us just smart enough to be curious, but too dumb to do the research that you've done, you know, and whatever you, however you did it, however they flagged you, you pissed somebody off and, and now you're spreading the word and I'm, I appreciate you doing that. I'll tell you something I found in a MUFON journal, uh, agenda between why taking, uh, abduction is there's many different reasons, but what caught my attention was acting liaison between human and extraterrestrial. As I said earlier, I took forestry. Even as a child, I would examine any creature that moved uh, when I was a young kid and I would uh, capture, examine and release. And I I have such a, 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 a fascination with nature. I'm very environmental. Um, and one of the things that many abductees will talk about is we're all environmentally conscious. And the industries and corporations that continue to brand stuff for consumption to putting a poison in our environment is wrong. It needs to be recalibrated, readjusted, where we can clean up this planet. And this is the game. The enslavement game is through the health, energy, and war. And the economic engine between this three-tier economic engines is that goes to the bank and the bank controls it, right? So if I come to you from another space and time and I teach you about anti-gravitics and I teach you about magnetism of flight, of energy, and I teach you how to heal yourself and knowledge, this is just vast knowledge, simple knowledge, And I'm not feeding you any more toxins, by the way. No more GMOs. No more chemtrails. No more sodium fluoride in your water. Because you have to be clean to be uh, receptive, perceptive. uh, You know, your, your perception. Your smartness comes from your diet. Your diet is your medicine. So if this was to happen along with no more wars, wouldn't we thrive very well? Absolutely. But they then would have no more control on you because 99.9% of the people are called servants. Just look at the last four letters, ants, A-N-T-S, servants. And that's how they perceive you or us. Absolutely. Zero. I'm sorry, the 0.1%. Right. Yeah. It, and it's all connected. And you have a beautiful way of laying it all out there. You know, Thank you. You're, you're good with your words. And you, you put your thought to word very well, I believe. Uh, 
much better at it than I am. <laughs> I sit here and I'll, okay. I can write it down, but it, you, you let it flow. And I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head on everything here, Paul. I think, uh, it's all connected and, uh, you're, you're a map, you know, you're a physical human roadmap to how to, how to put the, from point A to point B there. Yeah, well, I, I've blazed my trail of understanding our world more. And, uh, well, it's implicated with uh, uh, higher intelligence, and it's implicated with some monsters on the ground here on this planet. And I've ID'd them. And uh, I say uh, things will change soon uh, because it's amazing. Be careful what you wish for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Paul, I'm going to go ahead and let this wrap up now. Um, I'm sure you got things to do. I heard your phone going off. My phone's going off. <laughs> so, Well, that's okay. I hope, I hope you get this out uh, because uh, there's stuff I haven't told you yet that happens with uh, technology around me too. Is that right? Uh, and, and, and by that, not to make it any suspense surprises, that uh, mal malfunctions happen around me too. That's anything electronic. Well, I, I don't doubt that as, you know, as and well, agencies too can interfere or something non-human can interfere as well. That does not want it out. Yeah. I've, you know, I've only done this show for a little less than a year and I've ran into uh, some of the uh, non-human interference more than once already. Right. Uh, when you get into talking to, uh, to mediums and, people that have had some demonic encounters. It's amazing what happens to electronics. Yes. Yes. As I say, there, there, there are many layers of unknowns that need to be peeled to understand. And uh, I think uh, just in, in close study, ongoing studying, uh, we're learning more and more every day. And uh, you know, uh, it's just unfortunate. I'm still uh, very upset. Uh, you know, why my human family has been deceived for so long. Yeah. Yep. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them think, right? <laughs> yeah. But you, you might say, well, to the horse, why you bat? Why are you taking a bath in the water I told you to drink? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's more like it. Yeah. Well, I thank you very much for having me on, sir. And uh, I, I'm not a person to get into Facebook. Right. Uh, I do have uh, uh, Twitter, but I don't make a big deal out of all this and all that. Uh, I, I have been approached by uh, other multimedia mainstream companies, and I'm not interested in them. I'm not looking to get set up or such. Uh, you know, I think the best way to spread this out is grassroots. I and do too. that's the way I work. I, I have to tell you that uh, when I've brought this available to people uh, that I know of, uh, 15 to 20% will come back to me weeks, months later and say, Paul, you're not going to believe what I just experienced. So whatever it is, it spreads. That's right. That's right. And it helps when you look up, don't it? 
It does. And that's the sad thing about the phone. The phone now, we look down at the phone. We never look up anymore. And if you, if you want to see a UFO, well, the best way to qualify is just look up. No, no. I, that's what I told my daughter uh, just last week. I said, I'm going to make a T-shirt for the show. And just it's just going to say, look up. <laughs> you know, you have to have patience like a fisherman. Yes. Till you, till you get that, that bobber to go down where you actually see it go down to bring that fish. So like sky watching, you have to be patient, but I can tell you the best times uh, are on sometimes during the moon cycles, first quarter, last quarter, new moon, full moon. Got it. Got it. And I will be out there looking. Clear skies are the best too. And one other way too, uh, Bo, is when you have a clear sky, get yourself a set of binoculars, block the sun with any structure at say anywhere from 11 to one o'clock mm -hmm. and look up and then get back to me what you see. Okay. But you I'll don't do that. want the sun blinding your eye. You need to block the direct rays just so where you can see up and you'll be amazed what you'll see. And, you know, even if you don't have binoculars, that's all right. As long as you got a good eyesight, you'll see things. Well, I'll definitely try that. And yeah. if, if you ever want to come back on the show, talk about anything else, anything more, uh, if you want to rehash anything, just holler at me. Sure. You got my email. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for I, that. I really I appreciate it. We got a lot of the meat and the potatoes out on this one today. Yes, sir. And I, I really appreciate would you, it. Would you like me to send you some of the extreme wonderful pictures that you might want to add on or of course i would i would <laughs> absolutely love that okay not a problem i'll send that following tonight uh a few of them uh i'll, I'll send you the best I, i'm gonna have to be truthful they're not gonna be all of them but you know some of them will raise your brow all right i'd look forward to it okay thanks again for your time sir hey, wishing you the you. best and all your virginians and all your American cousins there, uh, the best, uh, you know, we'll get through this, uh, this so-called, uh, you know, uh, pandemonium over the virus, COVID-19 or whoever you want to call it, it's a virus, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're in a world now where, uh, you know, it's, it's beyond biblical proportions, but you must maintain balance and not have fear. Right. That's the most important thing. And I'll tell you, I tell you, I'm very good with numbers. I'm seeing the same numbers they're putting up on the screen to keep the parameters of fear up. They love oh, pyramid yeah. building. Your 11s, 22s, 33s, 44s, 77. They're playing the game. They know what they're doing, don't they? They know exactly what they're doing. They're hurting you. Oh, yeah. Or hurting us. I'm not saying yeah. use folks. The whole <laughs> world. They're hurting them. Yeah. Right? They're like cowboys. They're like cowboys on a horse, you know, sounding off their guns, leading them that way. Yep. Yep. I agree. Yeah. They they lead with fear. That's it. Okay, my friend. Take care. All right, brother. All the best to you. You too. Thank you. All righty. Bye bye. Bye bye. We're good on that. Yep, good to go. You stop the the recording button. Let's see. 
All right, that's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. If you just have to have more content, you can go to patreon.com slash the bump podcast and subscribe and be a patron. Uh, got more and more content on there every week. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, to catch up on past episodes, go to thebumppodcast.com, click the episode tab, and it'll take you to any episode you want to listen to. Also, if you want to be on the show, I would love to have you on. Share your story with us. Go to thebumppodcast.com. Click the holler at me button and holler at me. Send me an email, thebumppodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'll get you on as fast as we can. All right. Again, thanks for listening. I love you guys. Until next time, don't stop believing.